Yo, this is Tim Malcolm, the host of the Phillies Nation podcast and the editorial director of philliesnation.com. Go to philliesnation.com today for all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore, and Twitter at philliesnation. And you can find the Phillies Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and YouTube.com slash philliesnation. So this week's podcast is one long interview with Corey Sharp, at least a start. We're going to be talking about the Phillies manager search, the absurdity of different places and websites and reporters giving names out that will probably never interview for the job, which causes rumors to float, which causes people to panic, which causes us to have to write something up about how nobody is going to be interviewing for the Phillies manager job. I'm basically talking about Ruben Amaro Jr. We'll talk about that for a little while and then get into actual candidates Dusty Wathen, Juan Samuel, Jorge Volandia, and then potential candidates from the outside, the ones that we've heard most about, Mickey Calloway, and the like. Also talk about the postseason a little bit after that, just a quick little piece about that and a fun, interesting project we're doing at Phillies Nation this week, so you should tune in and get ready for that. I should say tune in, I should say log in, I guess. It's the internet. That's what they do on the internet is log in. Anyway, that's the Phillies Nation podcast for this week. Again, I'm Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com, your host, your travel guide. Let's go. Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of PhilliesNation.com, and I have a person with me right now off the bat. Instead of me talking for 10 to 15 minutes, uh, I decided to bring in somebody right away, and that, of course, is Corey Sharp of PhilliesNation.com. How you doing, Corey? Doing well, Tim. Thank you for having me. No, of course. Um, so this podcast this week is a little different than previous podcasts where, as I just said, I talk for 10 minutes or so, and then we get into the interviews and all that stuff. Uh, I don't have an interview scheduled for this podcast. Uh, there's really not a lot of point of having an interview for this podcast. We're going to talk about the manager situation because it's the one story that's happening with the Phillies. There's nothing else going on. The postseason is happening. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But it's all about the manager right now. And I feel as if we should do an episode on what's going on with the manager situation and, and who might be the new manager of the Phils. Because we don't know anything and nobody knows anything, but apparently people f- want to talk like they know things. So it's it's a really weird time of, 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 of like life right now, kind of figuring out this whole manager thing, because uh, people seem to know what the news is, but nobody knows. So to get there, at least, Cor... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, before anything else, how this thing unfolds. And, like, it used to be, because I come from this, I'm I'm a journalist, right? I, I spent 10 years plus in journalism in print and digital operations. And it used to be that when news broke, like a manager being fired from his job, you'd have maybe a day or two where people would talk about what the manager did right and wrong, what the reasons were for his firing, and, you know, how the team was going to sort of move to the next step uh, and, and, you know, the players, what their reaction was. 
And then you'd get, like, in the third day, you'd start talking about who the next manager might be. And it would be mostly, like, the, play, the, 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 the GM or the owner or whoever is the person from the team talking about this, the representative from the team, would say, you know, we're looking for this kind of person or we're going to have a list of candidates coming out shortly. And that would be that. And this wouldn't be that long ago. This would have been, like, ten years ago. But now McCannon gets fired – and I feel like that same day we were already talking about like six or seven guys who could be the new manager of the Phils. And nobody knows. Like, and like the Phillies weren't saying who these people were. And, and the Phillies didn't confirm any interviews or anything. But, you know, within a day we already had a list of people that we thought would be the Phillies manager. So let me ask you, Cor, because you, you are new to journalism, pretty new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, are you kind of like – what do you, how do you feel about like the the pace of everything that there's already rumor upon rumor upon rumor about different names before the Phillies get a chance to even say anything themselves? Well, I think I mean I don't know I think that's just this day and age you know you have Twitter now that that just just magnifies everything you know social media has really um, taken a step up with with not only sports but like everything else too so. I, I just feel like everything is, is so sped up nowadays because of social media. You're able to hear things and pe- people can just spread stuff, you know, within within the blink of an eye, really. It's um it's really funny because I when I came into journalism 10 years ago, I didn't know a lot about the industry because I didn't take journalism courses in college. I actually took film courses. I learned from friends at the newspaper that I worked at, and I learned by working at a newspaper, like a college newspaper. So, And even then, when I went to actual professional journalism and I worked at an actual newspaper, I still didn't know a lot, and it took me years to actually figure things out. And so everything has changed to now where you know, most of us have websites or write for websites, even if we're not totally trained in journalism. And, you know, when I started the Phillies Nation back in 2008, 2007, um, I didn't know a lot, but I was a little more trained than most people probably would have been. But then in like the wake of Phillies Nation becoming big, the 2008, 9, 10, there were a ton of blogs and anybody who wanted to write could be a writer. And so what has happened in the past, I guess, five to 10 years is those writers who may not be as trained are becoming the writers for the websites that are actually well respected and you know notable in some places, and people actually read those places and go, oh, you know this this is this is a you know a well respected publication that I'm actually going to take their word for. So I wanted to start here because this the first thing that happened after McCannon was fired and and sort of the whisper started was Corey Seidman, who's a friend of the podcast and was with Phillies Nation years ago, and Jim Salisbury wrote a piece for CSN Philly, which is now, I think, NBC Sports Philly or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote a piece kind of saying, here are some names of people who maybe will be considered for the job. Not even like, these are the guys that are considering, these are the guys they're interviewing. It was, we're coming up with a list of guys that we think could be considered by the Phillies. And mm-hmm. it's a way to like stoke the rumor mill. It's a way to get people starting to talk about, oh, you know, Larry Boa could be considered as manager of the Phillies, even though Matt Klintak had said previously that 
he wanted a new, fresh face in the manager role, and Boa was the Phillies manager years ago, and he was on the bench, you know, the past couple of years, and so it wouldn't have made sense, but they were still saying, well, Boa maybe is a name, and then they said Ruben Amaro Jr. may be a name, because he was connected to the Phillies in the past and all that, and so it makes sense on some level. But nobody had ever confirmed, and the Phillies would never say, oh, yeah, yes or no to Ruben Amaro. It just was like, this is something we're throwing out there. And they're respected, and I have nothing against what they did because they wrote something that is, you know, these are the guys that could be considered. But here's what happened, okay? So Nick Cafardo, who is Boston Globe baseball reporter and has been around for years and does a pretty decent job, but he does these Sunday pieces that are like, like rumor after rumor after rumor after rumor, and every team is covered somehow. And so if you're a fan of whatever team in baseball, you're going to read Cafardo's piece, and there'll be something for your team in there, and you'll get to have that rumor to go off of. So he had a piece, was it two weeks ago now, where he mentioned the manager openings in baseball. And this was before the Red Sox fired John, John Farrell, so there were only three openings, the Mets, Tigers, and Phils. And here's what he said. A, Alex Cora the bench coach of the Astros, would, uh, he would, the Mets will consider them in their search. Then he wrote at the very end of the Cora piece, Cora will also draw interest from the Phillies and Tigers. I don't know where he got that from. He doesn't say where he got that from. He doesn't say if he got it from anybody at all. He just says, Cora will also draw interest from the Phillies and Tigers. So it's assumed that because Alex Cora is a hot name in the manager circles, that the Phillies will just ask about him. And maybe they will, but maybe they won't. We don't know. So Right, not no more than him. Yeah, no yeah. It's, it's like we, we, we're basically on the same level as Nick Cafardo at this point. Unless Cafardo says in his piece, I spoke with someone in the Phillies' front office. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't say that, though. He's just saying the Phillies might be interested. You know, they'll probably look into him. Okay. Right. So then he talks about Mickey Calloway. Um, and he goes on, uh, doesn't really say much about the Phillies with Mickey Calloway, but he just says that he might be a manager or, or someone who teams might look for as a manager. And then the reports came out a couple of days later that the Phillies are, in fact, interested in Calloway. And there have been recent reports that they probably will interview him. So, <laughs> you know, it seems like they're going to interview him, but we don't know that for sure. And then Brad Ausmus, which he said has been linked with the Phillies. Again, what is the link? Is there someone from the front office saying, we're going to interview him, we have talked to him? Or is it that some other report that Nick Cafardo read said that the Phillies maybe will look into Brad Ausmus? Maybe he read the Salisbury piece and said, oh, maybe the Phillies would be interested in him. So I'm going to write that too, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's right. I, I could say that the Phillies are interested in Mike Trout. I mean, you know. Well, hasn't I, people I, already done that? Like, people haven't... <laughs> Right, but I get my, my what I'm saying is just as good as what everybody else is saying because unless you're Jason Stark, really, you know, no, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, no, well, nobody knows more than us. Or Todd Zalecki, or Matt mm-hmm. Gelb, or Matt Breen, or you know, um, uh, Lawrence Ryan Lawrence at the Philly Voice. You know, unless you're one of those guys or Salisbury, like you don't know. <laughs> like we don't know. So then he goes on 
and I, you know where I'm getting here. He goes into Showalter and says that the Phillies, uh, you know, the Phillies, there's speculation that they wanted Showalter, but Showalter has another year left on his contract with the Orioles, and Peter Angelos doesn't let anyone out of contract. Uh, this is all quoted from the Cafardo's article. Um, and then he goes on a little bit more about how that relationship goes. And then the, the, the final paragraph of the Nick Cafardo piece from two weeks ago that obviously got all the interest in the world. Other candidates believed – this is, quote – other candidates believed to be in consideration for the Phillies include Dusty Wathen, manager of the franchise's AAA Lehigh Valley team, Larry Boa, a Philadelphia's bench coach and the conscience of the organization, Eric Wedge, who was McPhail's choice for the Orioles' job ahead of Showalter, and Charlie Montoya, who was recently promoted by the Rays to bench coach. The da-da-da-da-da part was Red Sox first base coach Ruben Amaro Jr., the former Phillies GM who acquired some of the team's top young players. Now, wait a second. <laughs> Believed to be in consideration for the Phillies, okay? That's what Cafardo writes. Now, believed to be in consideration, that might just be like he talked to Salisbury off record, and Salisbury said, yeah, the Phillies maybe, you know, they might bring in tomorrow, but I don't know. But, you know, there could be interest. That alone, I think, is enough for Cafardo to write, believed to be in consideration. <laughs> it could be anything. Who knows? But, but – these names, you know, Wathen obviously seems to be in consideration. The Phillies interviewed him, so obviously that's real. Boa was just promoted to uh, special assistant to Matt Klentak, so he's not a consideration for manager, and they clearly knew what they wanted to do with Boa already. Uh, Eric Wedge, we haven't heard anything about. Charlie Montoya, we haven't heard anything about. He's 0 for, he's 0 for 4. Yeah, he's 0 for 4. <laughs> well, Wathen, he's 1 for 4. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so, 1 for 4. And then the Ruben Amaro stuff. So here's where I go from here. Other candidates believed to be in consideration for the Phillies include Ruben Amaro Jr., okay? So believed to be in consideration. Fast forward, Sports Illustrated, SI.com, a trusted name in sports for the last 70 years. Headline, report, Phillies considering former GM Ruben Amaro Jr. in search for new manager. (laughs) (laughs) It's comical. And, 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 and just FYI, so that you know that I'm not, like, cribbing from somewhere else, the piece by John Taylor on October 9th of SA.com completely goes off of Nick Cafardo's column, the one that says that Ruben would be in consideration. And he quotes, he quotes the Cafardo uh, paragraph that says, believed to be in consideration. And yet the headline, and he might be writing his own headline, someone else might be writing it, but the headline, which is what people read, is, Phillies considering former GM Ruben Jr. So right, not believed. Yeah, so that that headline obviously launched a number of reactions from fans, and it launched a number of blogs who cover the Phillies, not ours, but other blogs, who said that, yeah, the Phillies are interested in Amaro. Dude! <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is what happens, okay? And this is the difference between journalism today and journalism 10, 15 years ago. And I don't mean to be like the old guy who's like, get off my lawn. I don't want to be a curmudgeon because I am still pretty young and I believe in journalism in the modern form. And I believe in digital media. I was a forerunner of digital media when I was in my newspaper jobs in trying to introduce digital media to different reporters and editors. But 
it's sloppy. This is sloppy journalism. And I know that there are more channels to get information out there. And I know that people are going to find ways to read things in different ways. And I know that there are more possibilities to screw up because you're working in different CMSs and you, you know, have to write three pieces in one day about the same freaking thing. So you could write a headline that is different than the headline that you wrote before. But this is sloppy. Like, you can't say that the Phillies are considering Ruben Amaro Jr. going off of a piece that says the Phillies are believed to be considering, or whatever it was, um, other candidates believed to be in consideration. Not even that the Phillies are believed to consider, that they are believed to be in consideration. That's passive totally. It, they don't even put the Phillies in the active there. Cafardo is purposely saying that he doesn't know anything. He's just saying that these guys have been rumored, and, and this is speculation. Whereas SI says, no, the Phillies are considering tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, do you think it, it, it's sloppy, or is it on purpose, especially the Sports Illustrated? I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's on purpose or not. I, I if it's on purpose, then it's you know clickbait, and that sucks because there there's a lot of and I don't, I really don't want to get into politics, but there's a lot of a lot of the problem with the media today, and it goes everywhere in the media, left, right, everywhere, is that we do try really hard to bait people into reading our articles, and I've done it with Phillies Nation. We've done that before in some pieces, but. When it comes to reporting fact, just like straight fact, like that's not cool. It's it's wrong. And honestly, there was a day when if you said the wrong thing in the headline even, like you would be in position to be sued from somebody. You know, there there's nothing that the Phillies couldn't do to like try to threaten a lawsuit to SI for saying, you know, you're wrong. You you know, where did you get this information? This is this is wrong information. We could sue you for libel. I mean, they could do that. Um, they probably won't win because it's not necessarily libel, but it's still wrong. And it's false, yeah. Yeah, it, it's totally false. And, you know, like I said, I want to get political, but this is how fake news started. You know, like totally false things get reported and they get, you know, put out there on Facebook and other places where they can move very quickly and more people can read them quickly. And so what happens is you get blows this, up. It blows up, it gets oversaturated, and then soon what's happened, obviously, in the last two years is that it becomes mainstream. And so people who you quote-unquote respect are actually like able to lie out of their teeth and say that this is real when, no, it's not real. It's just not real. It's not fact, okay? Mm-hmm. So I get worried as a journalist that when – Sites like like SI.com say the wrong thing about the Ruben Amaro managerial search, you know, stuff like people believe that. And what happened in the tweets the day the day of that whole rumor was people were going nuts about Ruben Amaro Jr. being considered as the Phillies manager when nothing had ever actually happened to that extent. The Phillies never said anything about Ruben Amaro Jr. It's ridiculous. No, it is. I actually thought that report was. Right on a journalism standpoint, it's not it's it's not funny because it's false. But I think the react I think the reaction was actually pretty funny. Yeah, no, the from rea- Phillies fans. No, the reaction the reaction is funny because I because we went through Ruben Amaro Jr. You know, up until 2015, and you know we all had to like deal with not just sort of his ineptitude at I guess considering the long view with guys like Ryan Howard and such but his ineptitude with understanding baseball in some form or fashion, like, you know, the difference between plate appearances and at-bats, which, 
Like, if you don't understand that stuff, then you probably shouldn't be a manager somewhere. Mm -hmm. And not to say that he, you know, maybe has changed and maybe he's actually really good. And I, I honestly, he might be really good at connecting with players. He's, he's, he played. He, he, you know, he was in clubhouses for years. I mean, he grew up in baseball. His father was a player and, and a coach. And, you know, he's royalty in baseball. You know, he, he's clearly been around the game so much that anybody respects him. And he was able to get a job with the Red Sox as their first base coach. And he's done a pretty good job with the Red Sox. I mean, nobody has had any problems with him. So I'm sure he would, you know, potentially be a good manager somewhere. But, you know, I, in Philadelphia? <laughs> now? Like, like it yeah, makes the, no well, sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> nah, it makes no sense. But I guess just the reason why is just because these are all his players. So that that may that, that makes the most sense as to why, like, stuff like this – you know, in particular, Ruben Amara would be published. Yeah, and you know, let's let's be like I we I even linked to a piece wrote by somebody who writes about the Phillies on another website or something. I forget what it was. Um, I think it was like a patch piece or something. But somebody had wrote about how Ruben Amaro Jr. is basically responsible for all the talent on the Phillies organization right now. You're talking about major league organization, you know, the 25-man roster, and mm. Nick Williams, and Reese Hoskins, and J.P. Crawford, and Michael Franco, and, you know, Aaron Nola, you know, everybody Herrera. of note, you know, is Ruben in some way, whether he drafted them or got them in a trade. Um, so, yeah, Ruben, it makes sense on some level that Ruben could be tied to a manager position with the Phillies with the same guys that he brought in. But then you think about it for more than a second, and you're like, wait a second. Why would Matt Klintak, the new general manager of the Phillies, who preceded Ruben Amaro Jr., why the hell would he bring in his predecessor, who failed to be the manager and could potentially, like, you know, like uh, uh, usurp him the, in any – Right, any, right. Get you know? the glory almost. Right. Yeah. Like, like how, how does that make – like, why would Klintak want to bring in – like anybody who came before him, why would he want to do that? He wants to do his own thing. He's trying to stamp his own legacy. This is his first GM job. He's in his late thirties. There's no way that Klintak would be like, yeah, let's bring back Amaro and you know Charlie Manuel can be the you know assistant. Bench coach. Like what? Like what? Why? <laughs> now, how funny would that be though? Ruben manager, Charlie bench coach. <laughs> yeah. God. I don't even know if they liked each other. You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, that would be a funny dynamic. But, no, but I did want to mention. You know, you had talked about how funny it was, like the reaction from people. So, like, what, what, like, just talk about the reaction to to the Ruben Amaro crap because it's just it was funny. Well, people, I, I mean, absolutely hated it. I would say probably ninety five percent of the people. Like, I, I read a couple comments saying I don't want him anywhere near these players. You know, he should he shouldn't touch any of these players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, but that, that's the thing. Like, he actually brought him in, and he any any any, you know, he found the talent that is doing the job right now. But yeah, I, I like, I'd imagine like what kind of manager he'd be. Um, would he be analytical? I, I like like has he learned? You know, he wasn't analytical as a GM. Um, uh, but maybe he is now. Maybe he's more analytical now. Maybe the Red Sox, like, because they're a very analytical organization, maybe they introduced a lot of things to him that, you know, have changed him a little bit. Um, 
as I said, maybe he's a good communicator, you know, and that's I think that's the thing with this whole manager search. And this is why I didn't really want to bring in a reporter to talk about this. Like, we don't know anything about these guys, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, do you know anything about Jorge Volandia besides what the bio information gave us? No. <laughs> Like, like, Jorge Volandia, by the way, is one of the candidates. He was he interviewed for the job last week, as far as we know. Uh, he's an internal candidate. He's been a Phillies coach uh, for the last – well, he's been in the Phillies organization since, I think, 2008, I believe. Um, and he's been a coach. He's been a scout. He's been in so many different roles. He was an assistant to, to the – he was like a general manager assistant or something for a couple of years. Uh, and he was on the coaching staff recently. So Volandi has been around everywhere and is one of those guys that, like, is, you know, there's always a couple in each organization that I think everybody really likes and thinks should get a, a manager job one day or a GM job one day, but just doesn't have the right sort of, you know, like he's just, the opportunity isn't there for him at the moment. But it seems like what Clentac is at least doing with Volandia and then Juan Samuel got an interview and Dusty Wathen got an interview, is that he's giving opportunities to guys who I think in a previous life would never have gotten those kinds of opportunities. Yeah, well, I, I know Volandia. I know he – I read a piece that Matt Breen wrote, I think, you know, and he said that Volandia is considered uh, his right-hand man, Clintac. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he – you know, he's really relate. He said he could relate to players, and he he's more analytical. And he's because he said that he's adapted over the years to the analytics, which is why Clintac really likes him. Which is yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, you don't know anything about Volandia's past with analytics until you get the piece from Matt Breen that quotes Clintac. So we don't. I mean, you can't know anything about any of these guys until the Phillies actually give you what they're going to give you. Right, we don't know anything about really his personality. I mean, I've never heard him talk. I don't know if I've ever seen him before, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, like, there's a lot of, and there's, you know, this is like baseball organizations are great at this. They can employ tons of guys who are either scouts or coaches or you know assistants or advisors, and they could be in the organization and make like seventy thousand a year. And we have no idea who they are and mm-hmm. what they're doing. And like, you know, like Larry Boa was just named an advisor to Clintac. What, and what is that? <laughs> so, so the job. So, advisor basically means the GM is going to give that person a responsibility, and whatever that responsibility is, it's probably tailored to their expertise. So, last year he gave the former Twins general manager, whose name I think Ryan, last name's Ryan. Um, he gave him an advisor to the GM role. And at the time, I think Mike Sadowski had written about just what the hell do these guys do? Why is he giving his old friends and, you know, because uh, uh, Ryan had a relationship with McPhail or something like that. So why mm-hmm. is he giving these guys, you know, jobs and stuff like that? Um, but it turns out that, you know, there's probably something that Ryan, you know, does really well that the Phillies kind of had a hole and they wanted to fill it and they knew this, he would be great for it. And instead of like giving him like, you know, a, like assistant data personnel, you know, whatever, you know, what, some weird name. And because he's already been through the system, like being a general manager, being, you know, at the highest levels of the front office, you're not going to like give him a job that's above Clintac. You're going to give him like an advisor role because it's sort of on par with like former GMs and former managers, but it's also acknowledging that they're helping in some way. So 
Boa is going to apparently work in the organization with young infielders. So he's because he's a shortstop and he's you know that that's what he knows and he's been an infield coach and as a bench coach he worked with infielders a lot. So he's apparently going to go to Lehigh Valley, to Reading, to Lakewood, to Clearwater, Williamsport, and Tampa, the Gulf Court, Gulf Coast, blah, 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 and work with infielders. And you know he'll come in for like a week and be an instructor and just like pass on his expertise. And do infield drills with guys and talk to the manager and get a sense of how guys are doing and maybe, you know, impart some of his knowledge on them, which I think is a great role, right? I think having a Larry Boa mm-hmm. who's, you know, a well-respected baseball lifer who has played shortstop at a high level for many years, come in and be a guy who can teach some infielders how to play the game, like, that's, I think, a no-brainer for me. Yeah, and, and Freddie Galvis uh, read a, a piece, I think maybe when, when the announcement came out, that he credits um, or gives a, a lot of credit to Larry Boa for the way that, that he plays, especially especially shortstop. Yeah, and by the way, you know, Freddie Galvis is one of the best three shortstops in baseball defensively. I think that's pretty much understood at this point. And also, Bo, uh, excuse me, Galvis displayed great leadership abilities this year. And, you know, really came into his own as a player who fills a specific role. Offense, not so good, but everything else, very good. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to some of the work that he did with Boa. And so to have Boa, like, go to Reading and work with, you know, I don't know who's going to be at second base or shortstop for Reading next year, but to work with, like, a Drew Stankowicz or something like that, or to work with a Harris Rodriguez, or I think he's an outfielder. But anyways, working with these young players and giving them just sort of, you know, any extra edge that they can use is great. So that's what he's going to do. Um, but I don't know where we're going here. But <laughs> Ru- It started with Ruben. With Ruben, okay, so... <laughs> But the, the, the point of all this is, okay, Jorge Volandia. Jorge Volandia is where we were going. So Volandia, who was an advisor, I think he was an assistant, and now he's sort of Clentac's right-hand man. I don't know. Like, so I guess the, what I wanted to transition to was what do you want out of a manager? Because we can only find out what we're going to find out when it happens. But is there like a certain kind of person that you want as manager of the Phillies? Like Volandia – as a right-hand man, do you want a guy who's like already close to Klintak or would you rather have a guy who's more willing to sort of spar with Klintak, you know, and be sort of a, you know, the other half, the, 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 the villain to Klintak's hero or the hero to Klintak's villain at times? Yeah. I, for me, yeah. I, yeah, maybe not so much a villain obviously, but, but somebody who's going to do his own thing. Um, yeah, because he has his own job to do and, and, and the GM Matt Klintak has his own job to do. So, I that you know I I want somebody kind of that that's not really tied to Clintac um, that'll be able to do his own thing and I don't know I I like experience I'm, I'm for experience and at least at some capacity of coaching like Volandia really I think he was a, a coach in 2015 you know at what role at what capacity I, I don't know but you know I I kind of want someone who who has the experience and who's won somewhere. Yeah, I'm. It it looks like the Phillies aren't at this point. They're not bringing anybody who has a lot of major league experience. Um, Volandi obviously does not have major league managerial experience. Uh, Dusty Wathen has never managed in the major leagues. He's only managed in the minor leagues. He's been great in the minor leagues, but you know what is that? 
how does that translate translate to the major leagues? Um, And then Juan Samuel actually has some managerial experience. He was with the Orioles for, I don't know, a couple weeks in between manager. (laughs) uh, They, they fired, I think, I think it was when McPhail, I think it was before Showalter and after, I forget who it was after, but Samuel was in there for, you know, he was like the bench coach or something or the third base coach. And they, and they made him the manager and he was, you know, the team didn't play well. It was when the Orioles were very bad. So I don't know if that means anything, you know, like, but do do you want, like, would you rather have like a Buck Showalter type who has managed in the league for like 20 years and, you know, has tons of experience and, you know, has won something on, on at least a playoff level? Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, Buck Showalter. I don't know. I feel like he's kind of a, a retread for me. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised he's lasted as long as he has with, with Baltimore because I think it's three other stops. He hasn't he hasn't been with that organization for more than four years. Um, yeah, but, Showalter, Showalter to me feels like a guy who you bring in when you want your team to get better, but once they start making the playoffs, you want them out of the team, <laughs> like like Dusty Baker. Right. Yeah. Like like Dusty Baker and Charlie Manuel was kind of thought of as one of these guys, too, who he's really nice and personable and he'll get the players into the position where they can compete for a world championship. But once you get to the actual managing of playoff games, it gets really worrisome. And Charlie never really had that problem. I think the Phillies problems with winning in 09, 10, 11, 12 wasn't really his fault. The players just weren't performing. But. Showalter especially feels like a guy who, like he's gotten really good results out of an Orioles franchise that otherwise really doesn't have a lot going for it. Like their pitching is terrible, and it's always been terrible, and yet mm-hmm. that team is contending for a playoff spot almost every single year, which is yeah. incredible. And, and I, I think with, with Showalter, I, I, I think he's a, he's a good manager, like when, similar to what you said. He'll get you to a certain point, and I, I kind of equate that to, you know, a football ter- uh, football uh, analogy. And Andy Reid. I feel like he he could. He's a really good coach. He can get a team to a certain point, but after that, he's got to go. Um, I feel like Showalter's kind of the same guy. Well, and and he instills a system. You know, like Andy Reid instills a system mm-hmm. wherever he goes. But Showalter certainly. You know, there's a system in, in Baltimore that the players have bought into, and a lot of the players who he's played for, who have played for Showalter, have been there now for a number of years, and they're part of that culture. Um, and Showalter was like that before. I mean, remember he was the guy who kind of took the Yankees from sort of this rebuilding team into a contender, and the players that he was working with were Derek Jeter and Jorge Posada and um, Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit, and then it took Joe Torre to kind of get them over the hump. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, Showalter, I mean, he could definitely win a championship, I'm sure, somewhere, but with the amount of failure that he's had after success, do you want to just bring him in and think that it'll finally turn around once he gets to Philly? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, good. I don't know either because he he's also connected with um, Andy McPhail, so that that's something that we just talked about a few minutes ago. Do we want someone who's who's really connected with them, or do we want another guy? But I do think Showalter is his own man too. I don't think he's he's I don't think he's a yes man by no, by no. any means. Um, no, but you know I don't know I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like kick and scream if he was the manager, but I don't know if I don't know if he's my first choice so. 
Yeah. I, I, and I don't think he's mine either. And by the way, nobody has ever said that Showalter's actually, <laughs> you know, going to interview with the Phillies or anything like that. Remember, this is just whispers Wait. because of yeah, the connection. He's, he's still yeah. under contract. Yeah, I mean, and Peter Angelos apparently does not let people go out of contract. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's probably not going to happen. So what we do know is we have Juan Samuel, Dusty Wathen, and Jorge Volandia, and possibly uh, Mickey Calloway, who's the pitching coach of the Indians, possibly will interview, and maybe he has, and we don't know it yet. Um, and then there's, like, the list of guys who maybe are out there and the Phillies might want to bring in for an interview, and those include Alex Cora and Brad Ausmus and some of the names that were reported, uh, Nick Capardo. Joe McEwing, I What's heard. That? Joe McEwing, I heard yeah. from the I, White Sox. So what's the Joe McEwing thing? Is it just because he's local? He's from Bristol. Is that it? Is that the only thing that like is making him like show up on a list? I don't know. It said that he's interviewed with other places before. They, they didn't didn't say where, but I think that was a, a piece on you know a CSN Philly now NBC whatever they are. I don't know if Corey wrote it or Jim, but they said that uh, he's he's interviewed a, you know, with uh, other teams, but they didn't say which teams. Yeah. Well, what I love about this is that. I love that it's like either a backup catcher like Brad Ausmus. Well, Brad Ausmus was a starter for a number of years, but I think Volandia was a catcher, I believe, um, mm-hmm. possibly. Uh, and there's a bunch of other like backup catchers, but also like utility guys, utility infielders who are like sort of league average, like Alex Cora and Joe McEwing are like the managers. <laughs> like it's just such a funny like that's the niche that turns you into a manager, and I guess it makes sense. Because they're the guys who can relate on so many levels to what it's like to be, like in the dregs of the league, and to try to like push and you know find your way through. Yeah, and I also also heard uh, another guy on um, on that was on that list that CSN list was David Ross from now now an ESPN analyst. Wait, um, but, yeah, but how does how does David Ross jump from like? The World Series with the Cubs to being on ESPN and Dancing with the Stars to being a manager of a big league. Like, how does that happen in an offseason or in one yeah, season? Yeah, I don't know. It don't makes know. no it sense. Uh, it's under, under the list of the, who the Phillies could consider. I mean, that's, that's exactly, like, points to how absurd this whole practice is because there's nothing that says David Ross should be a major league manager other than he was a clubhouse leader with the Cubs. and a backup see, catcher. Is a backup catcher and is and is a nice guy, right? And mm-hmm. it's high profile in that he's been on television for things other than winning a World Series. But yeah, but we don't know how he relates to players. Like like that article said that yeah, that he's he's relating to players. We have no idea how he'd relate to a player in, in a leadership role. I mean, how do we know? I mean, he could have been like he could have he could have done hazing in, in the Chicago clubhouse for all we know, you know, to get those guys to where. I mean, I don't want to say that for sure, but. But, you know, like, who knows? Like, who knows what kind of leader – and who knows if that kind of leadership would work with this group, which is – you know, there's no Chris Bryant in this group. You know, let's be Mm -hmm. honest. I mean, maybe Reese Hoskins becomes a Chris Bryant, but that's still not necessarily true or not. Um, But, yeah, we don't know. So let me ask you this. Like, out of the guys who have interviewed that we know have interviewed, Dusty Wathen – uh, Juan Samuel and Jorge Volandia. Is there anybody there that is just more interesting to you? Oh, it's Dusty Wath in a okay. heartbeat. Um, you know, we talked about we don't know how a major league 
um, excuse me, a minor league manager, you know, with, with success would translate to the major leagues. I feel like Dusty Watson, though we don't know, I think it, it gives it, he has the best chance among a lot of other minor league managers to succeed because he knows so many of these guys. I mean, he knows just about all of them. Well, I, I would say that we do know a little bit because there is a prior history with a minor league manager being moved to the major league manager spot in Philadelphia, uh, and he failed miserably. Remember that? Who was that? Ryan Sandberg. Oh, Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I erased that from my mind. That's that's why I didn't remember. And Sandberg, you know, it seemed as if they stoked that fire early on when he joined the Phillies organization uh, in maybe, was it 2012 or something, when he joined the organization in the minors, like, it was like, okay, the clock is ticking. Sandberg's going to be manager soon. <laughs> like, like, yeah, and it's, I think it's kind of funny, too, because, like, I wonder why, because he had a lot of run-ins with players. You know, I, reports were that, that he would stay in his office, you know, like five minutes before first pitch, and then he would go out, like wouldn't talk to the players. I wonder if, if, that, if that stuff kind of worked with minor league guys, with younger guys that, that are just trying to find their way. Because you didn't hear, right? You heard he was, the, he was the next, you know, he was the next Joe Torre in the Phillies minor league system. But, yep. you know, it's, it's kind of funny that you never heard any of that stuff when he was in the minors. But I guess when you're, you know, when you're dealing with guys who are making millions of dollars, you, you, you know, that stuff comes out and, and you just can't act the same way that you are in the minor leagues. Then plus you're playing, you know, you're managing in Lehigh Valley and wherever else, and it's not Philadelphia. And the media in, you know, that part of the world is just a different level than the media in Philadelphia where, mm-hmm. you know, if the manager doesn't want to talk to anybody within a day, Howard Eskin's going to be down your throat. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's a different thing. You know? But, but, um, but yeah, Sandberg, that was a weird, it was just such a weird thing because it seemed like, the Phillies were reacting to, and Ruben was reacting. And this is Ruben who did this. Ruben was reacting to the fact that he thought the rest of ba- well, I don't know what he thought, but it seemed as if Ruben was reacting to other teams in baseball who would be interested in Ryan Sandberg because everything was like the Cubs are going to grab him, the Cubs are going to grab him, and it seemed as if Ruben like made him manager just so that other teams couldn't have him as manager. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. is not the agree to do anything. So. Right. I mean, he he fired Charlie Manuel. Um, you know, in August, I believe. What was that? Twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Uh, two two years removed from, you know, being the best team in baseball. And I don't like we said. I don't think it it was all Charlie's fault either. I think no, the players. Not, no, it wasn't even. Like, yeah, like maybe players like eight percent. Right, the players fault, you know? bro- broke down, and and yeah, just the roster really. The, the guys got old quick. Um, if you want to look at it like, like that, but yeah, he fired Charlie Manuel. Um, really, I don't know. I, I thought prematurely, you know, if, you know, you, you could have waited to the end, but now he wanted Sandberg in there immediately to, to get a jump start on, on the next, on the next year. Well, but also that Ruben, I mean, you go back to 2012, 2013, when the Phillies, suddenly became a human team and their great players started to fall apart. Ruben was still bringing in guys like Ty Wigginton and Juan AJ Burnett. Yeah. AJ Burnett. Like he was still doing things that weren't like, or, or, or now like nobody does this in baseball anymore. Like nobody brings in $15 million free agents to try to patch up the team. They sign their young players to large contracts and if they need to, they'll trade prospects for a young player 
who will be part of the franchise for years. You know, they don't just bring in a veteran again. So a lot of that was Ruben and, and not Charlie. And I don't know why they brought in Ryan Sandberg when they did. Uh, we can only speculate on that just as we're talking about speculation here. But this process that Matt Klintak's going through, it seems as if at least he wants to bring in someone totally new. And I, I'm with you that Wathen seems like the most interesting, sexy choice because he knows all the young guys and was he's successful had, with them. And yeah, he's had success with them in Lehigh Valley and in Reading. So it just, yeah, why not see what happens if he can, you know, if these guys get to play under Dusty again and see what happens with that, you know. But at the same time, like, I like the idea that Jorge Volandia, you know, has been around for a long time and is sort of a right-hand man to Matt Klentak. So he harbors some of the same ideas and concepts that Klentak does. And so there's that, you know, I, I, I kind of love guy. I kind of love when there's like a musician who does all the things himself um, or a writer who does everything himself instead of like relying on others. I'm very like. I'm kind of a micro that way. I, I, I like people who just take command of things and, do, and don't enlist help. So to me, Jorge Volandia seems like Matt Klintak's like, I'll do this myself. I'm going to bring in my guy, and he's going to follow my lead, and we're going to do it. And I just want to see, like, that greatness sort of seep out, you know, in sort of a way that, I guess, Theo Epstein does, you know, like, that kind of thing. But I, that could be totally ridiculous. So um, I think Juan Samuel is probably the least – interesting to me um kind of because like larry boa he's been here forever and he kind of represents this like sort of old way of doing things even though sammy deserves a manager shot and maybe even here and he's worked well with players and he you know as his spanish and american you know he he can work with both the latin speaking players and the english speaking players so i think there's a lot that goes into that too but I don't know. I, I think of. I think it's at least the three guys that they're bringing in for the for the internals. They're interesting names, and none of them are like, oh God, no. No, agreed. Um, yeah, Samuel. Uh, yeah, right. Like you said, I think that that train has has passed. Um, you know, he's he's kind of with Boa as as the conscience of the organization. Um, but like, yeah, I feel, I, the, I feel the same about Mickey Morandini. I just don't know if Mickey Morandini's like. I don't. I don't think of him as like oh he'd be a good manager I, I don't know I and this is like we don't know anything about these guys but like I feel like Mickey's been around forever and I don't know if he's like the right guy you know yeah I don't know if he's he's the right first base coach either I mean I mean what is what does he really do we don't well, we don't know yeah I mean I I could I I've I've not really loved him at first base to be honest I think a lot of the, the Phillies should have been a better base stealing team this year and they just didn't they didn't steal enough which is really weird yeah, no, Hernandez and, and Herrera were pretty disappointing in that aspect. I, I, I expect them to steal a lot more bases. So, all right, so I guess to put a pin on this, um, if any of these outside candidates are interesting, like uh, like Alex Cora, Mickey Callaway, you mentioned Joe McEwing, you know, David Ross, whatever, like whoever's out there, um, Osmus, is there anybody there that, is interesting to you that that you would like to see them interview? Um, I mean, it's, I, I don't really think so, to be honest. I, I guess Alex Cora would be, if I had to pick one, would be the best. Um, from what I've heard, I heard really good things about him. Um, I read a, another piece that he has that it factor about him, and again, a guy who what can relate. What the hell is the it factor? Well, I think I think it's a guy that you know he. I just feel like he gets it. 
and and he can he can really relate to players and he has a winning mindset and um you know i think well, the, he really, the astros have been winning in the past 3 years so it makes sense. <laughs> it does but i i just feel like i just from what i've read that that he really can can relate to players very well um you know again he has that that spanish american um type of relationship so he would be i think he he'd be the only guy i'd really considered as as a i don't know hot name here outside the organization but my, my vote is for dusty Watson. i mean I, I i like i like the idea of Acora because he comes from a winning organization in the astros he's been you know on in that dugout in that clubhouse and the astros seem to build rebuild themselves in a way that the phillies are trying to rebuild themselves i think the astros did it slightly more radically like in a way that the sixers did in basketball mm-hmm. but he he's been a part of that and to seize that sort of change and to be in the forefront of that change is I think something that's very tempting. Um, and yeah, the fact that he can relate to both the Latin players and the English speaking players and he's played for a number of years and he was a decent player for a number of years. I think all that kind of goes into my assessment and I think he'd be a very interesting choice. I think Callaway's interesting too, just because he took a pitching staff in Cleveland that wasn't very good and turned them into astonishingly good very quickly. And he made Carlos Carrasco a great pitcher. Like, it was always there for him, but Callaway helped Carrasco become an elite-level pitcher. And Corey Kluber mm-hmm. is an elite-level pitcher, partially because of Mickey Callaway's work. Um, and that team is as good as they are because of their pitching and because of Callaway, I think, is a lot to do with that. So, like, to see someone you know, take a team and turn them into elite players like that, uh, that's very tempting as well. So I just think he's he's another one that's like I, – I, like at the end of the day, I feel like the Phillies are doing the right thing. They're like looking at the right guys. If there's like if, – if the Phillies actually do bring in a Cora or they bring in a Callaway, I think that shows that, yeah, they're, they're definitely looking at the right people. Yeah, and again, Callaway is a guy that, that's, like you said, turned around the – no, I wouldn't say a franchise, but he's turned around a staff. Um, he's been, um, you know, he, he's won before. You know, the Indians have been obviously great the last few years. So, yeah, he's he's another guy that I think I wouldn't, you know, I think he, he'd be a good fit. But out, yeah, outside of the organization, outside the organization, I just think it's really those those two guys that are appealing. Well, I don't know. They'll 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 figure it out and. We'll only know when they actually say what they'll do. So whether they bring in a Callaway for an interview or a Cora for an interview or somebody else or decide to go with Wathen or somebody else in the organization, we'll only know when we know, and then we can react on it uh, appropriately. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that when this is done, you know, whoever the new manager is will get – full carte blanche to kind of bring in his guys, whoever those guys are and really put his stamp on the clubhouse. And, you know, that's why I got, I guess I kind of don't want a right hand man in there is I, I want this guy to be able to have the freedom to manage the way he wants to surely with, you know, Matt Clintax's sort of advice advising and such, and obviously need to be working together to make sure the team is doing well, but the manager, whoever it's going to be, Hopefully that person gets uh, all the ability in the world to kind of see this ship through and, you know, be be the guy. Be the guy who's making all the decisions. It won't be Ruben Amaro. 
No, that it won't it won't be Ruben. <laughs> that is for sure, and that is that is final. real. <laughs> that, well, I don't know if it's final, but but Ryan Lawrence did say in Philly Voice that uh, there's no way it's happening. So just it's no way it's happening. I mean, it, it, unless there's some shocking news that comes out. Um, I don't think that that even can be close. There's no reason for Matt Clentak to do it. Right. All right, Core. Thanks. This was fun, long, and interesting. Uh, thanks for talking manager with us. It me. was. Maybe the next time we uh, I come on, they'll they'll have a man, their manager in place. Then we can just bitch for forty five minutes <laughs> yeah. about what that manager might not do right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right, Core. Talk to you All soon. All right. Thanks, Tim. Well, we're in the throes of the Major League postseason. The ALCS is 2-1, the Astros over the Yankees. And the NLCS is 2-0, the Dodgers over the Cubs. That series goes back to Wrigley Field tonight. And the Yankees and Astros will play at Yankee Stadium today in Game 4. It's a very interesting thing to see these teams and how they were composed, how they were built. Because I think about the 2011 Phillies and the Phillies of the, the last great era. And they seem to be the last team of an era in which teams were built in a certain way. These teams look very different than those Phillies teams. And what I mean is, the one constant that seems to ride through all these teams is the youth of the star players. If you look at the Yankees, you have Aaron Judge, you have um, Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino on the mound. If you look at the, the Cubs, you have Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez. Then you look over at the Astros, and you got Altuve and Carlos Correa. I mean, these teams all have pretty young cores. Even the Dodgers, their youngest uh, star is Corey Seager, obviously, and then Cody Bellinger, of course, who had the great rookie season. You know, they have a little bit more money than everybody else, and they just buy guys to come in there and supplement that core. But still, the young players are what really drive those teams to being contenders. And if you think back to 2011 and that Phillies team, you know, that core was more in their 30s at that point, sort of early 30s with Cole Hamels being the youngest, but then Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. What the Phillies did in that time was they brought up guys piecemeal starting around 2004 and five, and it took them each a couple of years to kind of get into the position where they were the stars of the team. You know, you had Bobby Abreu as the star of the team at that point. Scott Rowland had just kind of left a couple of years before that. Um, you know, you had guys like Jim Tomei, who was still sort of cycling in. Remember, the Phillies brought in Jim Tomei as the big, you know, piece that was going to change the franchise for good back in 2003. And Tomei, you know, for all intents and purposes, was a hired hand. He was a, he was a free agent signing. He wasn't developed through the team. And that was a very different way of building a team than what you see now. And that's what the Phillies are doing now. You know, you have a young core of guys like Reese Hoskins and Nick Williams and uh, J.P. Crawford and Jorge Alfaro, Aaron Nola on the mound. You'll see what happens if, uh, you know, potentially uh, Scott Kingery comes up or, you know, we'll see if Cisco Sanchez comes up in a couple years. You know, that will be sort of how the Phillies build here. But it's really interesting to see how quickly teams like the Yankees especially have made it to this position where they're in the ALCS. I think everybody in New York thought that the Yankees, if they contended for a playoff spot, that would be really amazing. But everybody believed that the Yankees would probably be more of a 500 team this year, maybe a little bit better than that. And they wanted to just see some positive development from guys like Judge and Sanchez and such 
But what happened instead was this team, because they're so young and so good and you know the times are so different, guys hit the ball farther and strikeouts don't matter as much as they used to and pitchers throw the ball faster than they used to. The Yankees are just on the cutting edge of that and they have a team that was able to you know, be the best in, a, in an era in which that is what is reigning right now. I mean, as much as Aaron Judge strikes out, he's still the most valuable hitter probably in major leagues. His wins above replacement was higher than anybody else's this year. It was over eight, even though he struck out almost 200 times this year. So it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about how the game has changed and how even back in 2010 and 11, strikeouts were really important and you didn't want hitters to get struck out. You wanted them to walk. You wanted them to work at bats and work counts. Now you're looking for the guy who can hit the three run home run, even if he strikes out 150 to 180 times each year. So, how are the Phillies going to sort of work in that era? Are they going to find that guy who's going to strike out a ton but also hit 30 to 40 home runs? They don't really have that guy in the system right now other than Dylan Cousins who, you know, he can't hit left-handed pitching. So is he is he the guy or should the Phillies, you know, think of something different? Or should they pivot? Should they, when everybody else is zigging towards strikeouts and home runs, zag towards on-base percentage? Um, you know, something that is right now potentially going to be undervalued again. Uh, if you look at how the Phillies are building with J.P. Crawford and Reese Hoskins and potentially Scott Kingery, these are guys who have potentially very high OBPs in the major leagues. Maybe that's where the Phillies are going to go, and maybe they can be the team that is doing the thing that nobody else is doing, and that makes them the champions of the next era. Either way, the Phillies are finally doing something different. And if you look at the playoffs this year, you can see how that difference is kind of proving success. You know, you look at the Yankees and how they are always one three-run home run away from winning a game. If you look at the Astros, uh, you know, how their pitching is able to keep a game two to one or three to two, and one big hit is just going to end it for them. You look at the Cubs, they could string together a rally in a heartbeat and, you know, in the eighth inning, they could be down five to three, but still win the game seven to five. The Dodgers obviously have a lot of power and they have a lot of pitching and they're able with their young core and the money that they have to create a, a beast of a team that can do anything at any time. So the Phillies, you know, they have the ability to be that kind of a team. They have made that first step in putting together a somewhat good young core between Hoskins and Williams and Altair and Crawford and Alfaro and potentially Kingery and Nola and those guys. But now the next step is, are they going to go all in with this group? You know, is 2018 going to be a year where they just let them roam free and let Kingery come in and do his thing and see if this group can make a surprise run? And then how do you supplement that? Do you get free agent pitching? Do you make a trade for young pitchers? Do you bring up Sixto Sanchez sooner than you thought? Do you bring up Tom Eshelman sooner than you thought? Those are all the big decisions that the Phillies are going to have to make that are going to probably show us what kind of contender they can become and how soon that can happen. Can they be a team like the Yankees or the Astros and be a contender out of nowhere? Yeah, I think that can happen, certainly, and, and maybe this year, 2018. But more likely, they can be a team that makes a really good run next year and we can see, okay, this is where they need to help. 
And by 2019, they had that team that is ready to contend, and they're right there in it with teams like the Yankees and the Astros because it seems like those teams will be back in it in 2019 too. So when you're watching this postseason, it isn't hard to imagine how good this team can be very soon. And that's why at philliesnation.com, this is the cheap plug I'm bringing in here, we're doing a special series called World Series 2021. And this is a look into the future, four years ahead, when the Phillies are in the World Series in 2021. It's going to be a series against a team that we will not tell you until we start the series. But we're going to give you game recaps from that series, the Imagine series, and maybe stoke a little bit of your excitement for 2021 or sooner. You know, this doesn't have to happen in four years. It could happen in two. Who knows? But the idea is to at least show you that, hey, the future is bright and it's pretty close and we're going to have some fun with it. So World Series 2021 is coming up at philliesnation.com. And as far as the postseason is concerned, go Astros. I don't want the Yankees to win. I never want the Yankees to win. And in the NL, I don't care if the Cubs or Dodgers win. I guess I would like to see the Dodgers because, hey, Chase Utley's on that team and I'd love to see Chase get another ring. Um, But either way, I'm okay with it. I think at the end of the day, though, I'd love to see the Astros do something great because Jose Altuve is really fun to watch. And the way he hits the ball and the way he runs and the way he just plays that game, maybe there's a little Scott Kingery coming in. Maybe Scott Kingery can be like Jose Altuve. If that's remotely possible, then, hey, we got something for the future. Who knows? Next time on the Phillies Nation podcast, we're going to talk about the offseason, how the Phillies are going to tackle the 2017-18 offseason, where they're going to target and who they might target for those positions And if there's any trades that will be made in the offseason, guys like Cesar Hernandez, potentially, he's, of course, the big name. What else could happen? We'll go through all of that next time on the podcast in two weeks. I'm Tim Malcolm, the host of the Phillies Nation podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Citrus, Spreaker, TuneIn, and YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation.com. Excuse me, YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation. Getting ahead of myself. For the Phillies Nation podcast, I'm Tim Malcolm. See you later. Bye. Bye.